Blog Talk Radio. Father, 
thank you so much. We praise your holy name and we love you. We love you. We love you. We love you, Lord Jesus. We love you. We want to fall more in love with you. We want to be intimate with you. We want you to be the greatest and most incredible thing in our lives, our first love. Let us just immerse ourselves in your presence. We praise you for the days that we're in right now. We understand that there's a reason for it, and we just give you all the glory. Let us relax in peace and know that we do have joy that is not a part of this world, a joy that allows us to look at the things happening around us and not be so troubled by it and understand that this is a special uh, time where the darkness will rise up and so many will be saved that otherwise might not have made it. And that is what makes your judgments holy. And we praise you for that because with that understanding, it does give us the ability and and, and the um, uh, motivation to be able to continue onward without being so bummed out about things, uh, to be able to look at the changes that are taking place with excitement and also understanding that they really don't ultimately apply to us and that your loving and kind hand of protection will always be for uh, there for those of us who spend time in the secret place of the Most High, which of course we would like to be all day long. And we pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you will help to adjust our our days, particularly over the weekends when, you know, we, for some of us it can get extra boring. Uh, some of us get extra busy. Uh, we all have different dynamics in our lives. But, Father, we just pray that, that it will, the weekends will present an opportunity for us to spend more time in communion with you, talking to you, telling you that we love you, Lord Jesus, focusing our attention on you, praising you and thanking you throughout the day, never forgetting the gratitude that each of us should have deep into deep in our hearts, that we are constantly thanking you and praising you and adoring you and, and, and appreciating every drink of water, every bite of food, every blessing, every moment that we're employed, every, every, everything. Because if we woke up, you know, the next day, tomorrow, having only that which we thanked you for the day before, I think a lot of us might be very surprised. And we need to recognize that it is your loving kind. It's not with regard to whatever's happening around us. We, we, we're different than that. We are different than those who we see around about us. We are different than those who are ruled by the earth. And we come to a recognition, thank you, Jesus, that our walk is entirely different. And it is you who blesses every bite of food. It is you who ordains the, our ability to be able to even buy food. And when so many others are suffering, and, pro, and Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that you will overflow our hearts with love, that we will be compelled, not only compelled, but really desirous to give and help other people and get true joy out of doing that and touching other people's lives and understanding that it is indeed the little things that matter so much to you, Father, but to do them not because we're looking for a reward, because quite frankly, I don't think many of us are. We, it's, it, it's really just a matter of living. 
and being here. As long as we've got to be here, we want to be able to do good things and touch people and pray for people the way that we ought and change people's lives and understanding that it is those little things that we do, those little touches that we uh, sometimes disregard as being very significant that can be so significant in in, in the building of our eternity. Wherever that brings us, without regard to even any attention to that, but just excitement and joy to know that we're not subject to this world. We're not concerned, really. Uh, You know, we would rather not have to be subject to CBDCs and all that kind of weirdness. We would rather not have to be put under persecution over some new whatever World Health Organization thing. Um, We would rather not, but at the same time, Father, we know that you will divinely protect us, that we will, particularly when when we choose to stand our ground, no matter what that leads us, no matter where that leads us to, and no matter what kinds of trials and tribulations it may bring upon us, we have all come to a place of certainty in you that whatever it is we do choose, as long as it is in alignment with your holy will, that you're going to bless us, you're going to provide for us, and you have us not only in your hands, Father, but in your hands, Lord Jesus. And we want to just give you all the the love and focus and immerse ourselves in the presence of the Holy Spirit as much as we possibly can, even when we're taking a little bit of time, downtime on the weekends, maybe thinking about some other things. Let us always remember to carry with us maybe a little gratitude stone or something that reminds us to regularly just stop and talk to you and praise you for the comforts that we have right now, knowing that maybe uh, some more challenging days are ahead but not anticipating them to necessarily have to affect us, although they might. And we just praise you for Psalm 91, and we pray that we will always be found worthy to escape all these things that are about to come upon the earth and stand right before you, Jesus, right before you, our love, right before the wedding supper. How exciting that is going to be. How exciting to be in the city of the living God. Oh, Lord Jesus, we pray from the very bottom of our heart with the greatest of supplication before your awesomeness that we could be found and and will be found worthy to escape all these things. And we don't know what the word all means in this case. We would like to believe it's 100%, but we don't know for sure. And we know that we are not greater than our master. Whatever you wish for us, Lord, we wish it for us as well, because if it will build us or bring us to a place that will somehow um, manifest itself as glory before the heavens and a uh, fruitful event for the kingdom, blessing our Heavenly Father, even if it is a form of suffering for us, we pray that you will just lift that burden from us. We will feel no pain and that you will straighten our path, as you promise in, in, in Proverbs 3, 5. And give us that promise in in Isaiah 26, 3, where you will keep us in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed upon you, because we trust you. We praise you, Lord, and we thank you, because we are so utterly privileged, utterly blessed to be knowledgeable and understanding and Wow, because all the people, so many people do not understand, and they're putting their hope and their faith in things that are, well, not you and not our Lord Jesus. Even though they may love you or even though they may pray fervently, their true faith is placed in other things in the earth. And and Father, we just pray that you will forgive each and every one of them. Father, we pray that you will forgive those who have been duped by 
um, amendments in Babylon the Great's legal system that makes them think it's okay to kill people with guns and knives. Father, we pray that you will forgive them in advance, and we ask you in the name of Jesus that you will turn them red hot, turn them red hot and cause them to burn their hands, that they know it is a supernatural uh, event that is occurring, that they will feel the will of your, your, your love, Father, upon them, and that they will not commit sins from the iniquity in their heart. We praise you for that, Father. We pray also for those who have been unfortunately misled, perhaps taken to a fake heaven, many of which we're pretty sure are. Uh, And, Father, we pray that you will forgive them because that deception is a strong deception. And we know in our hearts that even though maybe uh, they're unwittingly misleading people, um, at least they're not misleading people in a way that would take them away from their salvation, uh, maybe just confuse them a little bit. Um, But what Whatever it is, Father, we don't want to pass judgment. We just want to ask you to please extend the hand of mercy to all our fellow brothers and sisters all across the world to help us to to help each and every one of them progress further in their walk and not be deceived by the darkness that is out there. Not we, you know, most of us. I would say that I don't know if it's most of us, but a good portion of us most likely have a relatively good foothold on our stance with you, Father, and know the really bad things that are happening out there that don't belong in the church, but there's an awful lot of others that are, well, just not quite where they need to be, and our empathy goes out to anyone. It's a fellow brother and sister in Christ that for whatever reason, due to whatever iniquity, due to whatever idol they place before you, may not make the barley harvest and be subject to so much worse. So many bad things coming, Father, which is why we ask you, please, to anoint each and every one of us, to bring us in closer, to strengthen us, in Jesus' name, to strengthen us in our trust and our love, not only for you, but for all of our neighbors. In the name of Jesus, we pray and thank you, Father. Amen. Hallelujah. Tonight is the 20th of Savan 5783. And yes, I did find a uh, nifty little uh, Hebrew Jewish calendar app. That's <laughs> all I needed to do. Thank you, Jesus. And tonight is uh, it is now 7.14 p.m. on the east coast of the United States of Babylon the Great. It is now Friday, June the 9th. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And tonight, together, we light the Sabbath candles, or if you would prefer the Shabbat candles, or if you would prefer just candles, whatever it is. And again, read Romans 14, pray that the Holy Spirit will really open your heart, and that you will be able to understand that we're not under the law, and everything that we do to honor our Father is an immense, I mean, words can't describe it, it's an immense blessing to Him. And we want to bless you, Father. We want to bless you. And we pray that every day is a type of a Sabbath to us. That we should revere no day greater than any other. Because really, when we are in total communion with you, residing in that secret place of the Most High, in constant gratitude for every drink of water, every pain-free breath of air, Father, we just praise you and thank you for being so kind and merciful to those of us who 
clearly. I have nothing. No, no. We praise you, Father, especially for helping us to understand by virtue of the review of our own lives how utterly unworthy we are so that our hearts and our minds will remain contrite and also able to witness and touch other people's lives through the love, our giving, our self-sacrifice, our kind words, and our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray and thank you, Father. Amen. The Hebrew Kaddish. Aruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech Haolam Borei Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech Haolam Asher Kitshanu B'mitzvotav Veratzavanu Vishabat kod shobeavratzon in chilanu zikaron le mase vereshit. Ki hu yom techila le mikrae kodesh zechelitziat. Mitzrayim Kivanu vacharta Veotanu kidashta Mikol hamim Veshabat kodshecha Beava uvratzon himchaltanu. Baruch atadonai mekadesh hashabat. Holy Lord Jesus, we pray you will cleanse and totally purify our heart, our mind, our soul, our spirit, and our flesh, our record-keeping books in heaven, and our robe and gown in heaven with your precious blood and your holy fire. Father, we pray that you will accept our confession of sin before you. Whatever we have done that stepped outside of your harmonious will and the perfect holiness of the Godhead this day, we may not even be aware of it, but we lift it up before you. Our sin is always before us, and in sin our mothers conceived us. We pray that you will cleanse us with your hyssop and make us whiter than snow. Wash away all iniquity, all inappropriate thoughts. Help us to walk in perfect holiness because we seek ye first the kingdom of God and your righteousness, because it certainly is not our righteousness. Cleanse us and make us pure before thee, Father, as a royal priesthood, a holy nation, your own special people, brought out of the darkness and into your marvelous light. We embrace that promise, and we pray that by an order of magnitude you will increase the power of the prayers of tonight, the words that are read, 
and the salvation of souls, that you are increasing now, which is a surefire sign of the end times, a surefire sign that we're becoming very close. The confirmations of, of, well, it seems to be mostly Muslims, but I'm sure it's other race, um, other people all over the world, other belief systems all over the world. I believe that with all of my heart. But we are certainly continuing to get many, many more confirmations of Muslims in particular give, giving their lives to Jesus because of dreams and visions. Because of dreams and visions, which is clearly a fulfillment of Job 33, 14, 13, 14, and 15, where it says, God speaks once, yea, twice, but man perceiveth it not. In a dream, in a vision of the night, we praise you, Father God, for touching people's hearts and minds. Merciful Father, Lord Jesus, we pray that you will lift out your loving, merciful hand. Call them by name. Let them know who you are. Let them feel the presence of true love. For within their belief systems, there is no true love. Within many belief systems, there is no true love. Except ours. Through you. And we praise you for that. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Oh, I got so many more things. How wonderful. Praise God. I keep on adding so much stuff to the um, notes for the prayer vigil. <laughs> if I did, if I read everything that's in these notes, it would take like probably four straight hours if I read quick. <laughs> thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Father. We thank you for this opportunity to be in your presence. Hallelujah. Arise. My love, my beautiful companion, and run with me to the higher place. For now is the time to arise and come away with me. For you are my dove, hidden in the split open rock. It was I who took you and hid you up high in the secret stairway of the sky. Let me see your radiant face and hear your sweet voice. How beautiful your eyes are in worship and lovely your voices in prayer. You must catch those troubling foxes, those sly little foxes that hinder our relationship, for they raid our budding vineyard of love to ruin what I've planted within you. Will you catch them and remove them for me? We will do it together. And Lord Jesus, we need all the help you are willing to give us. Thank you. Yeah. 
switch things up a little bit sometimes. I don't like to get in too much of a routine. It, I don't know, makes it feel almost a little bit artificial sometimes for me. But I'm using holy oil at this time in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, we consecrate ourselves into your hands and your complete ownership. Lord Jesus, we consecrate ourselves into your hands and into your complete ownership and love. We praise you. Thank you, Father. 
thank you, Jesus, for your divine protection and for setting for us a straight path, one in which, and the only one in which, we can trust to walk in. In the name of Jesus Christ, and by the blood of the Lamb of God, and the entity of the darkness, worker of Satan, live or dead human spirit, member of a witch coven, anything that cannot call Jesus Christ, its Lord and Savior. At the moment that they set their wills against us, we declare in the name of Jesus Christ, the holy fire of God, to shoot down from the glory pillar in the throne room and strike them with extreme prejudice, burning them into screaming and horrific agony in accordance with Colossians 2.15, praise you, Jesus, disarming them and making a public spectacle, yes, an example of them before the other demons of darkness. We pray in the name of Jesus and declare that that holy fire will be extensible and expand outward, burning any demons that are nearby, burning any demons that would allow these entities in or through their territory for the purpose of coming against us. We decree the holy fire of God to vaporize all earthly and spiritual weapons and all fiery darts. We declare in the name of Jesus, the holy fire of God, to vaporize all demonic contracts and all demonic agreements in the name of Jesus and to strike the entities that forged those contracts in Jesus' name. We declare in the name of the Lord Jesus and plead with the courts of heaven for the assignment of a platoon of warrior angels on a search and destroy mission to find these demons of darkness, to strike them deaf, blind, and dumb, place them under arrest, and cast them into the pit. We declare and decree and plead with the courts of heaven in the name of Jesus Christ for this platoon of warrior angels to be assigned to each of us to shut down all demonic portals, to hang out in rooms and listen to those who might even mention our names. Father, we pray that you will make good eyes blind, good ears deaf, and the blessings of the Holy Spirit to fall upon us at every turn in our walk. Give us that divine trust and knowledge and wisdom that comes only with putting all of our faith into your hands, because, well, where else would we want to put it? Help those of us, like myself, that tend to be control freaks and think that they can think their way out of any situation through preparation. Surrender. Let us put ourselves completely into the trust of only your hands, Father. Surround us with your holy fire. We declare a holy fire, a whirlwind of the Holy Spirit, a thorny hedge of protection to swirl around our households. We declare and plead for eight-foot-tall warrior angels, the best that you have, Father, in the name of Jesus, to stand guards at our dwelling places, to follow us wherever we go, Father, when we're driving, in the name of Jesus, to protect our loved ones, in Jesus' name. We praise you, Father God, for this divine protection. We thank you, Father God, because we can rest in peace knowing that your, your, your angels who are not subject to the fleshy problems that we are through lack of strength or tiredness or time of day will always be there protecting us and ensuring that we are able to fulfill your holy will regardless of whatever discomfort it may put us in, or uncomfortable positions, I, I have to say. Praise you, Jesus, because there's a lot of ugly head in this way. We pray, Father, again, to be found worthy to escape all these things without understanding exactly what the scope of the word all is. All these things that are about to come upon the earth and stand before you, Lord Jesus, we cannot wait. I mean, how could we not wait? I mean, come on, we have to. We should... 
it should be overwhelming that we should want to be with you always. If all of us could just have a little bit of a taste of that which you blessed Pastor Odin Hedrick with. Oh, Father, how much we would love to have a city mansion and a country mansion. We praise you. Mainly, Father, for no reason. It's not because I, I, you know me. I, you know me. I can't speak for everybody else that's out there, Father. But I, 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 do, I have several rooms in my house, and I spend all my time in two. <laughs> what do I need with a mansion? But anyway, Father, I praise you for a while. I just want to be close to you. I want to be able to see and be a part of the throne room and be in your presence. Not to him who was able to keep us from stumbling, Lord Jesus, and present us faultless before the presence of your glory, Father, with exceeding joy, which has to be in the throne room. We praise you. Thank you, Lord. We praise you, Father. Surround us. Surround our loved ones. Touch all aspects of our lives with your divine protection that we might serve thee. We praise you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. You saw us before we were born. Every day in our lives, every day of our lives was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Psalm 139.16, the sister verse of which is Ephesians 2.10, For we are your workmanship, Father, created through the power of Jesus Christ to do good works, which you, Father, have prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And now to you, our Lord Jesus, who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or even think, according to the power through you that works in us, we give you all the praise and glory. Thank you, Jesus. We consecrate ourselves into your complete ownership. Father, we renounce all entities of darkness and things spoken of in the darkness against us. We declare your abundant grace, Father, your living water, the crystal river to flow through us, to cleanse us every day. We plead your blood, Lord Jesus, upon us. And plead it. We thank you, Father God. Thank you for your holy fire. Thank you for the whirlwind of the Holy Spirit to sustain it. Thank you for these prayers to catch fire, holy fire, and to be encircled in a whirlwind of holy fire, burning white hot and melting the firmament of the rock, scattering the demons of darkness in all directions. Father, we abandon ourselves into your hands. Do with us what you will. Whatever you may do, we thank you. We are ready for all. We accept all. Let only your will be done in us and all of us. We wish no more than this, O Lord. Into your hands we commit our souls. Into your hands we commit our spirits. We offer it to you, Father, with all the love of our heart. For you are our Abba, Father. 
We need to surrender of ourselves into your hands without reserve, with boundless confidence. In the holy name of Jesus. O Lord, hear we pray. O Father, forgive. Father, we pray that you will listen, hear our prayers, and act. We pray that you will not delay. Daniel 9.19 For we cry out and pray and supplicate before your throne this day and ask you to never allow our prayers to be hindered. 1 Peter 3.7 In Jesus' name.
Praise God. The Courts of Heaven Scriptures. Oh, oh, and I don't expect a large response to this, but that's fine. It's not like it hurt my feelings or anything, but I did want to offer. Um, I found, and I will look it up for you if you're interested, but I found this really cool. Um, Sterling silver ephod um, pendant. And... uh, you know, kind of like a, a long, real pretty Italian sterling silver chain. It's the cut of the chain that makes it so remarkably sparkly and pretty. But anyway, the last one that I had was really tiny, and it just kind of, it wasn't very good quality. Let's just put it that way. And so it, you know, it cut to the point where it just needed to be thrown away. But this one is actually much larger, much nicer, and much prettier. And um, I can give you, if you're interested, in the, the links. You have to buy them separately. One of them has to be bought from uh, Shofars of Israel or something like that. They're the ones that have the larger pendant. And then um, I can also show you the link for the uh, real pretty Mirabella um, uh, sterling silver sparkly cut um, necklace that goes with. And so none of this is expensive. I mean, not, you know, in the grand scheme of jewelry by any stretch, it's actually pretty inexpensive. But I think symbolically it's kind of neat because we as a royal priesthood are really, in a sense, a type of Levitical priesthood. And, um, you know, when you think about it, you know, I'm oversimplifying things um, because that's not really, I know there's in-depth teachings out there about you know, the the tabernacles and the Levitical priesthood and, you know, the layout of it and, uh, you know, the Holy of Holies and all that kind of stuff, which is awesome. I mean, these are are wonderful, awesome teachings. It's all in the Bible. It's very cool. But I I like to try to simplify things and bring them to, you know, kind of like a practiced Christianity as opposed to a symbolic Christianity. Um, I'm not suggesting that the symbolic Christianity or the actual historical Christianity isn't vitally important. That's not my intent. My intent is to say, if they wore ephods back then, and they were very significant to our Heavenly Father, there's a lot of things that are mentioned that they had and used. The umen and the thumen, thumen. There's a lot of things that they had that really, the Bible is not very expansive on in the description or the purpose or what it looked like. There's lots of speculation out there, but it's not terribly obvious. Let's put it that way. And don't get me wrong, the use of the ephod, the way that the the actual makeup of what the priests wore, that's pretty clear. But anyway, um, you know, I think to myself, I don't, I don't really, you know, none. I don't think there's any human that exists. Um or has ever existed, with the exception of those who were there at the time, thousands of years ago, that really, and maybe they didn't even completely understand the significance of it, other than the fact that it had, you know, 12 gemstones in it of particular types that were representative of the 12 tribes of Israel, ultimately. Um, uh, But 
I suspect that even in the realm of their existence and their obedience to the Lord, um, you know, burnt offerings, all that kind of stuff, they probably weren't, they were probably being more obedient than they were knowledgeable of exactly why God told them to do the things that they did. And I think we'll find out a lot about these things when we go to heaven. I think it'll be part of our training. I don't, I don't know how all that works. But I expect it will be part of our training. But anyway, but everything, there's a lot of symbolism in our behaviors and what Jesus is, you know, for example, the taking of communion is highly symbolic. Now, unfortunately, some organizations will twist it around and try to make it like it's more than what it's intended to be, which is symbolic. It's a symbolic gesture to honor Jesus, his sacrifice. And quite honestly, I think, now this is just a hunch, I have nothing to back this with. But when I, when I read that Jesus said, you know, um, you know, after supper, he held up the cup, you know, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Um, this Take as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. When I listen to the words as often as you drink it in remembrance of me, it seems, I feel, I just get a feeling that there is a much higher level of significance to the Lord, our first love, than we realize. Now, of course, Paul did admonish, uh, you know, the in the first letter of the church to the church of Corinth, he kind of let loose on them for some pretty good reasons, no doubt, and felt a little bit bad about it in the second letter. He almost, he was borderline apologizing for being so hard, uh, but at the same time, but whatever, the, we learn a lot from those things, but I think, you know, even in his admonishment of those who were getting a little tipsy on the wine before they took communion, you know, his, his, his words of admonishment were very strong. You know, they would be drinking con condemnation upon themselves. And when I put all that together in my heart and I, you know, as often as you drink it in remembrance of me, it makes me feel like it's an extra big old blessing for the Lord for us to do it more than just once in a while. I will... Not I won't I definitely am not where I was there for a while I was taking communion every single morning. Um I have a little you know, it's I have a bureau, like you know, it's a dresser and um you know, I just uh light a candle um and I take this little golden cup that the Lord gave me. I I anoint everything with the uh, Exodus oil that you can get from Lindy Pierce at Lion of Judah Oil, L-O-J-O-I-L. -O I think it's .com. L-O-J-O-I-L.com. You have to pick out a bottle. That's the trick. It's a little unusual, but you got to pick the bottle out first. And then you can put unscented, but you have to follow it up with an email you got to send her an email and you got to say, please put the Exodus blend holy oil in that bottle for me. She calls it behind the veil. I, you know, but if you're clear, she'll, she'll do that for you. Now, of course, that oil has to be 
highly respected. You don't just go dumping it on any any little thing. So I have different I have different holy oils from Lindy. But the Exodus blend I used to anoint all the vessels, because that's what they did. They used that Exodus oil to anoint the vessels in the tabernacle. You might be like, well, what do you mean? Well, pretty much anything that was there, any of the chalices that they would drink out of, you know, all those things were anointed and and consecrated to the Lord in holiness. Um, But you don't want to put the the Exodus blend holy oil on, like, you know, your forehead. Because it has, she mixes it, you know, in accordance with the scripture, and it has a lot of cinnamon oil in it, and it will turn, it will kind of like burn your skin. You know what I mean? So um, you could put it like on the palm of your hands, but if you put it on like your forehead or something, you're going to walk around with a uh, cinnamon oil chemical burn on the on your forehead, and everybody's going to be like, what's that big red dot? You know, so I, I learned through the school hard knocks. I even had somebody who's a Messianic Jew tell me, no, 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 you don't put it on your body. And I um, I went back and I looked at the scripture myself, and that's not what, it doesn't say that. It says you're not supposed to use it on those that are outside of, you just have to read it real carefully, uh, and you'll you'll understand that it doesn't forbid you to use it on yourself. It forbids, you know, everything was about you're within the, you're inside of Israel, you're outside of the camp. You're inside of Israel, you're outside of the camp. So there were certain times when a human body would be considered, quote, unclean, and they were asked then to please leave the Israel camp, you know, encampment, and leave just for a little while, and then come back when you know, over a period of time. They're all very cer- ceremonious. But anyway, um, taking of communion is clearly um, symbolic, and it blesses the Lord, probably in a more powerful way than we realize. Which is, you know, and, and the funny thing about it is I never really thought about that. It never crossed my mind. It sort of kind of occurred to me a little bit over a long period of time. But the, uh, this little um, ephod pendant that I got, I, it's a replacement of the other one that I had that kind of went to heck in a handbasket. <laughs> uh, this one's much, much nicer and just as, actually, same same amount of money, so not really that much. I think it was the necklace and and the pendant was like, grand total was like around 60 bucks or something like that. But it's very symbolic. It's like, we're, you know, hey, we're a royal priesthood. Well, if we're a royal priesthood, why, why wouldn't it be symbolically accurate to have some type of an ephod? I think about things like that. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. First Peter 2.9, but you are a chosen generation a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of the darkness and into his marvelous light. Can you imagine what that light is like to see? I can hardly imagine. Who were once not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. 
Now, that becomes so much more prolific, or is that the right word? So much more amazing, revelatory, when you combine it side by side with Matthew eighteen eighteen, where Jesus said, Assuredly, I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Well, it wasn't until I read, read a book on this subject where the author had expanded on loosing and binding contracts. I mean, I knew about a binding contract. Who, who hasn't heard that term? But I had not, I did not know that the term loose, to loose a clause, was actually a legal term. And then if it's in heaven and it's legal, then where would it be? In the courts of heaven. And the courts of heaven are all over the Bible. It's amazing. Ezekiel 22.30. This embraces the concept of praying for the peoples of a land. It could be anything. It could be of any size. It could be a continent. It could be a single country. It could be, you know, however you want to pray. But it's about a land. So it says in Ezekiel 22.30, So I sought for a man amongst them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land, that I would not destroy it, but I found no one. So you just simply say to yourself, whoa, 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 wait, wait, whoa, whoa. Standing, so, you know, the vast majority of people, Christians that understand the concept of standing in the gap, they will point to this scripture and say, this is standing in the gap right here. Here it is. Ezekiel 22.30. What I do is it's not so much the gap part. I I already get that. You know, I mean, of course, when we're praying and we're operating in the courts of heaven, we have to be ultimately standing between the courts of heaven and that which we are praying for, for, right? I mean, that just makes sense. So the standing in the gap part has never been like, oh, wow, to me, you know. But what really touched me was on behalf of the land. Because... It, this you know, spiritually you know, that this isn't talking about earth, um, soil. <laughs> you know, us standing in the gap, you know, to pray for the soil so that we can grow bigger potatoes. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, it's for the people of the land, right? And that's what makes it so powerful. Um, John twenty twenty three deeply misunderstood scriptures. I mean, people will debate this till they're blue in the face. I take it at face value. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now, why would you retain? Well, that that falls under where Paul would turn. When he wasn't able to get through to somebody, out of love, he turned them over to Satan for the destruction of their flesh, that they might ultimately repent and come to the Lord. Because one of the best things to happen to those who are essentially doomed, if they continue in their behaviors, is to them for them to be on, a, on their deathbed. Because when they are facing that moment, they, they're the fear of the Lord will come over them and they will question whether or not all of us would, wouldn't we question whether or not every little thing that we did or what we could have done better or whatever, because we know that we're going to meet the Lord or, 
the footsteps coming down the hallway are not coming to take us to heaven. And what a horrifying circumstance. And so ultimately, many, many people are saved because God allows Satan to destroy their flesh. And they end up on a feeding tube or something. You might think that that's a horrible thing, but if that brings that person to a place of humility where they are repenting for everything, they know that they're going to, you know, it's one direction or the other. They're at the Y in the road. When it comes to that moment, that's actually an act of love when Paul did that. And that would explain retaining the sins and turning them over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that they would ultimately make it. I just pray that I never, ever have to even face that as an option. And thus far, I pray, praise God that I haven't. Thank you, Jesus. I also love Daniel 9.19, which we just played and read. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. And O Lord, listen and act. Do not delay. For your own sake, my God. Which is fascinating because that idea of our Heavenly Father doing something on our behalf, being for His sake, seems almost at first glance to be a little odd. That there is something that we could be asking for something that we would want to do or on behalf of the kingdom that we would feel in our hearts that it was for God's sake that we were doing it. But then you have the supporting scripture of Isaiah 43:25, which is one of my favorites. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Put me in remembrance and let us contend together state your case that you may be acquitted well where would you be acquitted at the courts of heaven then verse 27 is no longer applicable to us it says your first father sinned and your mediators have transgressed against me well our mediator is jesus how much more so then do these verses have meaning to us Praise God. And then you have Zechariah 3, 1 through 7, which really nails down the concept of the courts and everything and all the dynamics and Satan, you know, the accuser of the brethren. I mean, my goodness, this just pulls it. I mean, this pulls it together completely. Where Zechariah is looking up into the heavens, he's having a vision and it says, Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord. And Satan standing at his right hand in the courts of heaven. And the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a man plucked from the fire? In other words, our Heavenly Father was basically telling Satan, shut up, sit down, don't even attempt to accuse this guy. I have chosen him. He's been plucked from the fire. He's here for a reason. Verse 3, now, now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments. See, here's that sim- the, the very frequent use of symbolism. Praise God. Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and was standing before the angel. Then he answered and spoke to those, that was our father. He, our father, answered and spoke to those who stood before him, saying, Take away those filthy garments from him. And, they, and, let, and, and, um, and to him... 
our father said, see, I have removed your iniquity from you. See, it's symbolic. And I would, uh, and I will clothe you with rich robes. Verse five. And I said, let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head. They put the clothes on him and the angel of the Lord stood by. And then the angel of the Lord admonished Joshua saying, thus says the Lord of hosts, if you will walk in my ways, if you will keep my command, then you shall also judge my house and likewise have charge of my courts. And I will give you places to walk amongst these who stand here. So it's not just a matter of being involved in the courts, but to actually have charge over them. That's pretty significant. Who all do you think goes through those courts? Do you think the courts go away when the saints arrive? I don't think so. I'm pretty sure those courts are fully active over all the universes, all the dimensions, and all the trillions of life forms across all the galaxies at all times, forever and ever. Amen. Zechariah 2.5 says, For I, saith the Lord, will be a wall of fire all around her, and I will be the glory in her midst. It's talking about Jerusalem, but nevertheless, the and then through revelation and, impre- and Holy Spirit impressions, we know clearly that the holy fire of God is what the two witnesses, which are not two bearded Hebrews standing on a straight corner, sorry. It's, um, it's just not. It's much bigger than that. And that, <clears throat> that, holy, that fire that, it, that they are metaphorically shooting out of their mouth for 3.5 years, time, time, half time, 1260 days, 42 months, take your pick. That's holy fire. It's a weapon. Okay, so they're the two witnesses, which which are you know it's the lampstand and the olive tree. We know that the olive tree is representative of you know the Jewish Christians ultimately, because we're grafted onto it. The Gentiles are grafted onto the olive tree, right? And they would be the lampstand. Um, but anyway, there's there's teachings on this because a lot of folks have caught onto that, which is really great. But the part about the holy fire being a weapon to use against the darkness—that's some cool stuff right there. Very confirming. Job one nine it says, "So Satan answered, answered the Lord and said." Now note that when Satan answers God in Job 1, chapter, I'm sorry, verse 9, when he says this, he is befuddled. That's very important to understand. He truly does not understand what's going on. And he says, does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him, around his household, and around all that he has on every side. So the thing to be learned there, there's many lessons to be learned from this verse. No doubt about it. Fearing God, doing the best that you can to walk in his righteousness and holiness, constantly repentant. Even even Daniel, I think it was in 9 verse 9 or somewhere around there, he's like repenting of his sins before God. Daniel you know, you get a lot of people, at least I did, you know, reading about how awesome Daniel was, you know, to the Lord. You would think that he would never, he, he was like living a sin-free life. But he, no, no, he was repenting of his sins. I wonder what they were. I wonder if he even knew. 
the part that really the part you know that the hedge the hedge around them so you know i think it's fast you know it's kind of cute and say a thorny hedge to kind of emphasize the significance of the hedge and of course we imagine it's some sort of um shrubbery <laughs> right but i have a feeling the term hedge in this particular case means divine protection and if you've ever read the the uh story of the link angels then you understand I think that that is a perfect example of what a hedge of protection is. And he, he says on every side, which implies that in the demonic realm, there's ways and means and methods and such to be able to attack you if for some reason your protection is not all-encompassing, spherical on every side. Praise God. And it goes on and on. Thank you, Jesus. Um, and you know what? I think I'm going to find the, real quick, praise God. I just feel led to find it. Uh, the Link Angels. I haven't read the story about the Link Angels in all very, in years. I think I think it's been years. Thank you, Jesus. And it's uh, it's powerful. So I'm going to go ahead and open this up and see if I can find it. Uh, the mic boom is in my way. I can't see. Thank you, Jesus. All right. So I got it in the cool stuff part. I'll bet you it's in here. I believe it is. Let me see if I can. There we go. Praise God. I'm scrolling to find it. I know I have it in here somewhere. And it's so cool. Thank you, Jesus. The ceremony vision. Passing through that. The sinking of the aircraft carrier. Praise Jesus. Thank you, Father. Link angels. Well, right there they are. Those clever little link angels. Actually, there's nothing little about them. So anyway, in the book, um, He Came to Set the Captives Free by Rebecca M. Brown, M.D. She was a medical doctor before this whole thing happened to her where she met this high priestess named Elaine Elaine. It's a long it's an amazing story and I didn't know there were such things as werewolves. They call them weir people, but they are real. I didn't know a lot of things until I read that book. It really opened my eyes in a in a way that no other book has ever opened. <laughs> it was amazing. And there were things that, that my Pentecostal-ish upbringing disagreed with. Not anymore. So I praise God that I was able to reconcile all of the things that didn't set well with me because of churchianity upbringing um, and be really blessed by a deeper understanding of the enemy and how to deal with it. And understanding all that stuff. When, when, you, when you really get how things work in the unseen realms, um, it gives you great power. I mean, you, you, you can much better anticipate what the enemy may do, and you can defend against it much more effectively, praise God. That's why I just basically worked it down to what I pray on this prayer vigil now. Um, 
you know, I don't think you have to rebuke every wire and every computer and every mouse pad and every CD in your CD collection. I, I just think that that, you know, so I simplified it down to where I felt it was the most effective for me. And, um, and it so far it has been, it really has my progress. Thank you, Jesus. I've gone through a lot. And let me tell you, my progress is noticeable. Now I'm not a hundred, I don't think we'll ever be a hundred percent there. And I fear for people who believe that they are, because I honestly believe that none of us will ever be a hundred percent there. My dad, you know, you know, you know, you've probably heard the term holier than thou. I think a lot of people's true colors are going to come out in the days ahead. They might come across being all smiley and full of Jesus and jumping around and just, you know, unshakable holiness. These some people that we meet in churchianity. But I really think behind the scenes, they all struggle with the same things that we struggle with. And I, I, anyway, I don't want to get into that. Let's talk about the link angels. So anyway, Dr. Brown, Rebecca Brown, she basically, I'm really cutting this part short, and I do highly recommend that you read that book. He came to set the captives free. Absolute mandatory reading. If you want to get into the Johnny Baptist uh, uh, kindergarten Bible study class. Praise God. So anyway, um, so I, I'm really cutting it short. I'm not going to do any spoilers, but I'm just going to let you know that she, as a medical doctor in this particular hospital in the Midwest, um, caught on to some creepy stuff going on in the hospital. Let's just put it at that. She saw things, and she said, that ain't right. Well, one thing led to another, <clears throat> and eventually she ran across this person by the name of Elaine, and that's when things started to happen. But what's really fascinating is that in her meeting Elaine and all that, now Elaine has passed on and gone to heaven. Oh, and by the way, so has Rebecca. We almost got her on the radio show, and then when we called another time to confirm it, she had... Uh, she she went went to be with Jesus. Same thing happened with Chew Thomas. Chew Thomas. Heaven is so real. Tribulation Now was the last radio show she ever did, and then she went to heaven. Praise God. So um so anyway. One of the things that the servants of Satan will do, regardless of what rank they are or what organizations they belong to or whatever, they will be commanded in some cases to uh, astro project, which I I don't want to know any I don't want to know how to do it I don't want to study on it I don't want to book on it I don't want to know I don't care I know that it's out there I know that it's available but I don't want it I just don't want anything to do with it. But essentially what they're able to do is set their wills with all their weird, creepy candles and incantations and pentagrams and all that kind of weirdness, and they're able to somehow project their spirit into the demonic realm, and they're able to manifest it in various parts of the world. It allows them to have the ability to do things in the spiritual realm that cross over into the earthly dimension or hologram, and they can kill people. All right. So Satan had visited. Now, Elaine was bequeathed as a fetus, as a baby inside the womb. She was born for the purpose of serving Satan. So she was what was known, what is known 
amongst the ranks of such um, unfortunate folks um, as a mother goddess. They, the mother goddesses are in the ranks secretly of these groups. And they're not registered in the hospitals. They don't have birth certificates or nothing like that. And they um, bequeath them through satanic ritual to serve Satan their whole lives, you know, or whatever. Um, anyway, she was bequeathed to Satan as a, as a fetus in, in the womb uh, and ultimately became a mother goddess, which is the highest ranking individual at these ceremonies that they have, uh, without getting into the details. But anyways, Elaine, so Satan visits these groups all over the world, just like Jesus visits us in heaven. Like when you listen to the Odin Hetrick testimony, he explains that Jesus was in the room with them, passing around the silver platter with these incredible hors d'oeuvres, and they would take an hors d'oeuvre off the platter, and then a new one would just appear in its place. And Odin explained that Jesus could be at several mansions at the same time, because he was Jesus. Well, similarly, unfortunately, Satan has that ability as well, and he can appear very much looking like that black-haired man in the Fox television program called Lucifer. He appears as a very good-looking man. Now, according to Elaine, in one of her unsavory encounters with him, and you can only imagine what that might have included, uh, during the peak of the event, he turned into what he really looks like and shape-shifted back, and she was pretty horrified. But anyway, um, he Satan visits, you know, these Rhodes Roundtables, Committee of 300 groups, these, you know, these Klaus Schwab things. He actually goes to these. He, he shows up. Black Sabbaths, um, you know, the you know, eyes wide shut type stuff. He actually goes to those. He gets involved. He goes to witch coven groups, which are all over the place. There's probably more witch covens out there than there are churches. <laughs> and by the way, most of the witch covens use the churches to actually do their sacrificial ceremony work. So when you're driving down the road in middle America, you drive past a church on a Saturday night and there's glowing candles in the windows, you might not want to go knock. But anyway, Satan visited this group where Elena or Elaine was um she was a part of this one group. Um they were part of what was called the Brotherhood of Satan, which is a very powerful group. They're one notch below the Illuminati. And uh the Illuminati were really feared by them. So evidently they're extremely satanically powerful, which I think we're seeing a lot of that manifest today. Satan told them that there was a Christian family down the road that were causing him a lot of grief. What they were doing was they were going and they they were on to the fact that there were Satanists that were recruiting people out of the church youth groups. And then they would, um, this Christian family would go fetch them and pray over them and cast out the demons and all that kind of stuff and, you know, turn it around, steal them back, 
and then they belonged to the Lord and they were warned and then they protect themselves and such. Now, but Satan was mad about this, so he told the group, which included Elaine, that I want you to go and kill that family. Okay? And, um, you know, they knew what that meant, of course, because this was part of normal assignments. And that's pretty much where what I'm about to read to you, where it picks up. And now you can hear about what actually happened. This actually did happen. Most of what you will read in that book, you will have a hard time believing, actually does happen. It's very eye-opening. Quote, It was during that last visit to California that one of the incidents happened that started me on the road to accepting Christ, writes Elaine. Started me questioning Satan's claim to be more powerful than God. The high priest gathered a number of us together and told us that there was a family nearby that had been interfering with Satan. They had been converting a number of the cult members to the enemy, Jesus Christ, and were making a nuisance of themselves. Satan had given the order for them all to be killed. The high priest told us that we were all to go together in our spirit bodies, astral project, and kill them. So we sat down in a circle with our candles in front of us and consciously left our bodies going in our spirits to the house to destroy these people. It was not I was not at all enthusiastic about the project, but had no choice. If I had disobeyed, I would have been killed. And by the way, uh, I will inject, when a servant of Satan disobeys, they're very fearful. Because they don't just like shoot you and you die. They take you apart piece by piece. All right, the next paragraph says, and I quote, much to our surprise, as we arrived at the edge of the family's property, we could go no further. The whole area was surrounded by huge angels, huge. The angels stood side by side holding hands. They were dressed in long white robes and stood so close together that their shoulders touched. They had no armor or any weapons. Nobody could get through them. No matter how we tried, any kind of weapon we used merely bounced off of them, doing them no harm to us at first, daring us to come ahead and try to get through them. The other cult members got more and more furious with each passing moment. Suddenly, their countenances changed, and the fierce look from their eyes made all of us fall backwards onto the ground. A very humbling experience, I might add. I will never forget, as I sat on the ground looking up at them, one of the angels looked directly into my eyes and said to me, in the most loving voice I had ever heard, won't you please accept Jesus as Lord? If you pursue this course that you are taking, you will be destroyed. 
Satan really hates you, but Jesus loves you so much that he died for you. Please consider turning your life over to Jesus. That was the end of the battle for me. I refused to try any longer to get through. I was very shaken. The others tried for a while longer, but none succeeded. I doubt the family ever knew of the battle going on outside their house. They were completely protected. We called this particular type of special angels, link angels. Absolutely nothing could get through them. I was secretly thankful that we did not get through and the link angels had given me much to think about. <laughs> that, in my personal opinion, is what a hedge protection is. Praise God. Awesome stuff, isn't it? Highly recommended reading for anybody that wants to understand what's really going on out there. Time now, 8.23 p.m. on the east coast of the United States of Babylon the Great. And I'm going to pick up reading from My Dream of Heaven, also known as Intramuros, I-N-T-R-A-M-U-R-O-S, Intramuros, My Dream of Heaven, by Rebecca Springer. Where we left off was where her brother said, Ah, yes, said my brother. That's just it. How little we know, if only we realized, while we were yet mortals, that day by day we are building for eternity. How different our lives would be in so many ways. Every gentle word, every generous thought, every unselfish deed will become a pillar of eternal beauty in the life to come. We cannot be selfish and unloving in one life and generous and loving in the next. The two lives are too closely blended. One but a continuation of the other. But come now to the library. Rising, we crossed the room that henceforward was to hold for me such tender associations and entered the library. It was a glorious apartment, the walls lined from ceiling to floor with rare and costly books. A large stained glass window opened up onto the front veranda. Two large bowed windows not far apart were in the back of the room. A semicircular row of shelves supported by very delicate pillars of gray marble about six feet high extended some 15 feet into the spacious main room and cut into two sectors lengthwise, each with one bowed window in the back, still leaving a large space beyond the dividing line where the two sections united into one. The concave side of the semicircle of shelves was toward the entrance of the room and close to it not far removed from the bowed window stood a beautiful writing desk with everything ready to use and upon it a chased golden bowl filled with scarlet carnations 
of whose spicy odor I had been dimly conscious of for some time. My brother's desk, said Frank, and his favorite flowers, I added. Yes, that follows. Here we never forget the tastes and preferences of those whom we love. It is not supposed to be that these details were, were once noticed by me, but they unfolded to me gradually as we lingered, talking together. My first sensation upon the entering the room was genuine surprise at the sight of the books, and my first words were, Why? Why have we books in heaven? Why not? my brother asked. What strange ideas we mere mortals have of the pleasures and duties of this blessed life. We seem to think that death of the body means an entire change to the soul, but that is not the case by any means. We bring to this life the same tastes, the same desires, the same knowledge that we had before death. If these were not sufficiently pure and good to form a part of this life, then we ourselves may not enter. What would be the use of our oft-times long lives, given to the pursuit of uncertain, worthy, and legitimate knowledge, if at death it all counts for nothing? And we begin this life on a wholly different line of thought and study. Now, I want to call to your attention remembrance of the fact that she bathed in the Crystal River, and was and it was explained to her, even as she said she felt different. That is actually a very common thing. Our past remembrances of sin, the past tribulations and trials, I won't go into details of how awful they can be sometimes, they have to be removed. Those are known as soul scars. The more soul scars that you have, the more times you have to bathe in the Crystal River. And some have to bathe a lot. So it's important to understand that concept because this this reading can be a little bit misleading because it almost feels like it implies that if you had bad things happen to you on the earth that you may not be able to enter into heaven, which is absolutely incorrect. It would just mean that you would have more soul, soul scars to deal with and you would have to bathe in the Crystal River more. And then all those memories will be faded away and you will not remember them anymore. It goes on to say, no, no, would that uh, would that all could understand, as I said before, that we are building for eternity during our earthly life. The purer the thoughts, the nobler the ambitions, the loftier the aspirations, the higher the rank that we will take amongst the... Ho Oops, hold on a second. Oops, okay, yeah, the purer the thoughts, i got to be careful with, I'm using a Kindle and it can get wacky sometimes. The purer the thoughts, the nobler the ambitions, the loftier the aspirations, and the, high, the higher the rank we will take amongst the hosts of heaven. Rolling and reigning, fellow medicoy. The more earnestly we follow the studies and the duties of our life of probation, the better fitted we shall be to carry them forward, on and on, to completion and perfection here. But the books, who writes them, she said, 
Are there any of them books are 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 any of them books we knew and loved below? Undoubtedly many of them, all indeed, that in any way help to elevate our human mind or immortal soul. Then many of the rarest minds in the earth life upon entering into this higher life gain such elevated and extended views of the subjects that have been with them lifelong studies that pursuing them with zest they write out for the benefits of the less gifted the higher stronger views that they themselves acquired thus remaining leaders and teachers in this rarer life as they were while they were in the world So essentially that breaks down into, let's say that you were gifted by God to teach something that was very much a mystery. You know, I'm not going to name names or point anything out, and nobody's perfect. There's always a margin of error. But the point this is trying to make is that if God gifted you with understanding certain mysteries and a specialization on a certain topic, it you know, with necessary course corrections and additional learning, you might become a sort of a mentor, a teacher of some type in heaven on those subjects. It goes on to say, is it to be expected that the great soul who has so recently joined our ranks, who changed life and packs Vobiscum uplifted so many lives while on earth should lay his pen aside when his, when his clear brain and great heart have read the mystery of the higher knowledge? Not so. When he has conned, uh, again, I don't understand the uh, 19th century use of certain words, when he has coned his lessons well, he will write them out for the benefit of others, less gifted, who must follow. Leaders there must always be in this divine life, as in the former life, leaders and teachers and many varied minds of thought. But all this knowledge will come to you simply and naturally as you grow into the new life. After a short rest in this lovely room amongst the books, my brother took me through all the remaining rooms of the house, each perfect, beautiful in its way, each distinctly and imperishably photographed upon my memory. Of only one other will I speak at this time, as he drew aside the gauzy gray drapes lined with the most delicate shade of amber, which hung before the column doorway of a lovely room on the second floor of the house, he said, your own special place for rest and study. The entire second story of the house indoors, instead of being finished in gray marble as it was on the first floor, was finished with inlaid woods of fine, satiny textured, rare polish, and the room we now entered was exquisite both in design and finish. It was oblong in shape, with a large bowed window at one end, similar to those in the library, a portion of which directly was were directly beneath this room. Within this window on one side stood a writing desk of solid ivory with silver appointment and opposite was a case well-filled bookshelves of the same material. Amongst the books I found afterward many of my favorite authors, rich rugs, silver gray in color, lay scattered over the floor 
and all the hangings in the room were of the same delicate hue and texture as those at the entrance. The framework of the furniture was ivory. The, uphol the upholstery of the chairs and ottomans was silver gray and cloth. With the finish of the finest satin and the pillows and coverings of the dainty couch were all the same. A large bowl of wrought silver stood upon the table near the front window, filled with pink and yellow roses, whose fragrance filled the air, and several rarely graceful vases, also filled with roses. The entire apartment was beautiful beyond description. But I had seen it many times before. I was fully able to comprehend it in its complete perfection. Only one picture hung upon the wall, and that was a life-sized portrait of Jesus, just opposite the couch. It was not an artist's conception of the human Christ, bowed under the weight of sin of the world, or yet the thorn-crowned head of a crucified Savior of mankind, but the likeness of our living Master, victorious, crowned, the wonderful eyes looked directly and tenderly in mine. The lips seemed to pronounce the benediction of peace. The ineffable beauty of the divine face seemed to illuminate the room in a holy light. And I fell upon my knees, and I pressed my lips to the sandaled feet so truthfully portrayed by the canvas, while my heart cried, Master, beloved Master and Savior. It was long before I could fix my attention on anything else. My whole being was full of adoration and thanksgiving, with great love that had guided me into this haven of rest, this wonderful home of peace and joy. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Powerful, powerful. <clears throat> Hallelujah. All right, so where to go next? So many things. I'm just scrolling and what, looking at all these wonderful things that the Lord has shown me over the years. Scripture after scripture, so many. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. I'm just passing by a lot of prophetic words and stuff, but I'm not feeling pulled toward any of them at the moment. <laughs> but I'll know when I feel pulled. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Father. We praise you for every opportunity that you have given us to draw in closer to you. Where we, too, where we too would love you so much that we would fall to our knees and kiss the very painting of your image in our homes. We praise your holy name. Thank you, Jesus. Let me all 
God. Thank you, Jesus. So once in a while, I run across a person, not often, who's very advanced and disconnected from churchianity, very advanced in their walk with the Lord. And it's interesting because when I share things that I believe because the Bible doesn't tell us not to do it, how often it is that such people will say, yes, of course, I completely agree. One such thing is the revelation that the Lord gave me through a number of different testimonies and inputs and scriptural readings and um, prophecies from different folks and things. Little bits and pieces are gleaned and then you stitch them together in a harmony and say, wait a minute, could this mean? So one of those things was a testimony that was revealed to me. The individual was uh, a testimony on Sid Roth. I listened to it and was Very fascinated. As a matter of fact, we wanted to bring him on the radio show at one point, but there were some challenges, I forget. But anyway, he was a, uh, when he was very young, this man, he was, as a matter of fact, at the age of eight, he, believe it or not, at the age of eight, he was actually a, a powerful drug dealer, a murderer, and a rapist. 
um, and he got into some kind of a shootout, was killed, and went to hell. It was in hell burning. While he was in hell burning, an angel of the Lord showed up, grabbed him and pulled him out of hell, and he came back to life, restored. Now, I don't remember the details, but I assume it was probably at the point that he came back to life, he was probably still in the hospital, either that or the morgue or whatever, but that he was pulled out of hell. But what was the most revealing part of that testimony? Because, of course, why, you would think, why would the angel pull him out? Well, as it turns out, his mother had no idea that he had died and was burning in hell. No idea. She was just going through her daily routine. She got on her knees beside her bed. And as she did every day, she prayed, Father, please, please, save the soul of my son. And our Father, in his infinite mercy, hearing that prayer, knowing that she had no idea, sent one of his angels into the pit to go fetch him. So anyone who thinks that you cannot pray for somebody that has already died, well, I'm sorry that you feel that way because you're incorrect. Is a notion that is baked into people's heads through churchianity. Churchianity, I think, in many cases does more damage for a person's walk and for them to understand true power and the true, who Jesus really is, and who we're supposed to really be. They fall way short of that. So I knew, upon hearing that testimony, I said to myself, wow, the ramifications of this testimony are so far-reaching, words cannot describe Over the last, <clears throat> excuse me for having to clear my throat, over the last um, four years or so, I've lost about four people that I knew pretty well. I don't know the state of their soul at the time that they died, but I don't really consider it. Every single morning is part of my prayers. I ask the Father, wherever they are, to take them to heaven to elevate them higher. And I believe with all of my heart that I will meet them there. Maurice Sklar, if you know who he is, he fancies himself as a psalmist, and he used to play in the band uh, with Benny Hinn while he traveled and such. He's a fantastic musician, very godly man. And he was taken into heaven at one point and he testifies while he was there that a young man 
was yelling to him from a hillside, saying, Maurice, Maurice, if you had not prayed for me, I would not have made it. How many could make it to heaven if we never gave up praying? How many souls will we meet there that will be so full of gratitude with tears pouring down their eyes that we even spent just a moment to mention them to our Father? How unfortunate that churchianity is so full of notions, assumptions that diminish the power that God has given us because that's just what they believe. Instead of expanding it out, if the Bible doesn't explicitly forbid it, then by golly, we should be doing it in the name of Jesus. That's not how it works, unfortunately. And so what we have are essentially millions and millions and millions of impotent Christians. Does not teach the power of Jesus Christ in us. So I wanted to share with you that first... But now, a prophecy. The Lord, so my walk is weird and unusual, and that's fine. I can't imagine it being any other way, really. And if it didn't continue, you know, I would be concerned. But um, in my walk, I have a very acute memory of small and my not necessarily unimportant details, but details of things that most people would just blow away and completely leave their psyche altogether and they would never remember them again. I don't. I remember little tiny details. I remember conversations that I had, the circumstances around them, all that kind of stuff over more than a decade of time, really 15 years plus. Well, really, in some cases, going back decades and decades. But the Lord, it's like I feel in my heart that something should be. I read the Bible, I see the words, and the words say this, and I take them at face value. And if the words say that, I believe it, period, end of story. And I do not care at all, nor will I ever, what another preacher, teacher, or pastor thinks. Because, unfortunately, in my studies, I have discovered the Rockefeller Foundation, the John Birch Society, the Illuminati themselves fund and control the vast majority of Christian Bible schools, institutes. Um, I mean, that that's just hours of testimony and tons of information that's verifiable if you wanted to look into it. But anyway, 
not only, so the Lord told me, uh, and this was a, this was a very strong impression. And it doesn't set well with some people, and that's fine. I don't care. I mean, my walk is not your walk. My walk will never be your walk. I will, though, because I, you know, I believe in the body of Jesus Christ, and I believe that there is nothing that is given to any one of us that belongs to just us. There's no special secret that Jesus gave somebody that they're not allowed to share, because that defies the mandate of the body of Christ. And it really troubles me deeply. I, uh, and I can use examples. There are some very anointed people out there. One in particular that comes to mind, I will not mention who it was, who said publicly that she was going to copyright her prophecies because people were not conveying them accurately. And soon thereafter, she fell very ill. There was another lady who spent all of her time writing about the 12 tribes of Israel, and she had made up her mind that she had figured it all out, which ones were good, which ones were bad. And she started to essentially put out a smear campaign through what she felt she had uncovered. And then I had heard she had gotten a very serious and deadly cancer. Um So anyway, I, the Lord somehow, I don't even understand why or how, but it does happen to me all the time. It happens to me all the time where I just say to myself, why wouldn't I pray for somebody that has passed away? Why wouldn't I? Can I think of a reason? Is there a Bible verse that tells me not to? No, in fact, there's even the inference where Paul's talking to the um some of the people from the Church of Corinth, and he says to them, you know, rather than uh, praying for the baptism of the dead, why don't you yada yada blah blah this, that, and the other thing? But he never told them not to do it. So there were people getting together, holding hands and praying to the Lord to baptize people who had already passed away. I found that to be very interesting and very supportive of all this information. But then, almost as if, but I knew it wasn't true, but many of us that, there used to be a larger group that would help me do the radio show, but now it's just me and you know, one or two people, But it's and that's fine. Um, but we used to joke, we used to tongue-in-cheek kind of say, wow, it's almost like that particular prophet is like a closet listener to the radio show because there would be these things that we were talking about on the radio show or concepts or mysteries or practices during the prayer vigil that we were doing. And then we would start to see prophecies coming out or words that would be coming out from different prophets and stuff that, you know, that we, you know, and there were, it was like, is this person like, listening to the radio shows and duplicating what we're already doing on the program. But no, I mean, it was, it was only said tongue in cheek, you know, like, ha ha, giggle, giggle. But the confirmations were astonishing. The, in other words, we are, I and others on the prayer vigil, for example, would pray a certain way, and then a prophecy would come out and talk about something and confirm 
Or I would meet with somebody as a guest, like, you know, whoever, Matthew Payne in Australia, and he would confirm the whole holy fire thing around my house. He saw a vision. We were talking about the radio show. He was like, well, if I come on, you know, what time will it be and how how does it work? And, and then right in the middle of our conversation over Skype, he goes like, oh, he goes, I can see your house. There's fire swirling all around it and two large angels standing out in front. Matthew Payne had no idea that we did a prayer vigil program and that I was praying even off of the prayer vigil for the divine protection of God's holy fire. <coughs> he saw it on his own. Well, the Lord showed it to him. Of course, I'm sitting there bawling like a baby while I'm talking to him on Skype because of God's incredible confirmation. But he had no idea, and nor could he have known. So I'm going to read to you this from Julie Wedby from Behold I Come. She's gone through a lot of challenges and stuff, and I, but she's pulling through it, and she's doing good. Praise God. I mean, I, I, you know, I don't know her personally. One time, I think we did have her on the program, long, long time ago. But um, <clears throat> this was one of those prophecies that when I read it, I was, wow, because it was kind of like what I just told you about, except it was a confirmation on a whole other level. A different dynamic, but I'm going to read it to you. Excuse me, I got the hiccups. How annoying. Um, but anyway, praise God. So um, I'm going to read this to you because it's so powerful, and it was, an incre- it was just one of the many hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of confirmations that God has given me over the years. Confirmations over the three raptures. Confirmations over... Um, the Shavuot wedding, uh, confirmations over so many things, 11-11, I mean, unbelievable stuff that most people, uh, you know, uh, Larry, brother Larry, uh, Elvi Zapata's brother, calling me on the phone and telling me about, when you get to heaven, John, they're going to ask you if you want to take the, take. they're going to take you in a room and ask you if you want to take the mission. John, take the mission, John. Listen to me. Listen to me. Take the mission. They're going to offer you to go into eternal rest, or you can take the mission. You've got to take the mission, John. You've got to take the mission. See, a lot of people think the two witnesses happens before the Great Tribulation. I don't. I believe the two witnesses happen during the Great Tribulation. And that it's a subset of the bride that takes the mission and is sent back down to fight against the darkness and the devil and the demons and the horrific creatures that are going to be plaguing the tribulation saints that have the seal of God on their forehead that are horrified and we're going to provide for them and fight for them with the holy fire of God. Thank you, Jesus. So you can pretty much take just about anything that churchianity or any given pastor or preacher or teacher out there might try to tell you is the way it is. And I'm going to come right back. First off, I'm not going to listen to them. 
So there's really no point in sending me anything because I'm not going to listen. The Lord told me not to. He told me, I told him, I said, Father, in tears, I said, I cannot do this radio show. I can't. The responsibility is too huge. And he said, I need you to forget everything you learned and let me reteach everything to you. And as part of that admonishment, I wasn't to be learning things from other preachers or teachers or attending or gleaning or any of that stuff. I was supposed to be keeping a distance from it. Stay away. Now, that doesn't mean that other people can't. Of course you can. If you like your church, stay. Go, keep on going to your church. If you want to go there and glean things from them or learn things or pray for them or pray with them or whatever, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You're not me. You didn't get the instruction that I got. There's a reason, God. Our Father, my walk, had had to be a lonely walk. Because by virtue of someone else who is or says they're a Christian or whatever, or it, whatever the case is, when they tell you what they think, they put information into your brain. And if it's incorrect, you will have a hard time shaking it you will think that this is what's going to happen because you were told it. Oh, and that was an ordained, I mean, that was a wonderful anointed pastor. How could he be wrong? God told me to get rid of all of it. The amount of mysteries that he has shown me since 11 years ago is is amazing. And I wouldn't have been able to receive any of them if I had continued in churchianity. Because I would have been told, no, 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 you can't do that, or no, 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 or they wouldn't be able to talk about it, or they wouldn't be able to explain it. God showed me every little thing that I talk about, every little mystery, everything was between me and the Lord, nobody else. Now, if there was someone involved at some point, like when I mentioned Larry, saying, take the mission, John, that was ordained by God. It wasn't like I called Larry up and asked him about the mission. I had no idea about the mission. He called me. And I was sitting alone in a dark living room by myself on a recliner. That's how it works. This, which I'm about to read to you, is um, a fantastic confirmation of many of the things that the Lord has shown me. And that's always how it works. Whether it's 11-11, it doesn't matter what it is. God always confirms it again and again and again. Oftentimes a decade later. It's amazing. It's, I just praise him. He's awesome. So anyway, I'm going to read this to you. This was posted on May of 2017. The 4th of May, to be perfectly exact. Interestingly, at 1-11 p.m., <laughs> And the title of this particular prophetic word is, Your prayers are the most powerful weapons of destruction against the enemy. And I quote, On Friday, April 28th, I was seeking Yeshua for answers about prayer. A close friend contacted me, telling me that his mother had died suddenly, and he didn't know if she was saved. As we all have done at some point in our lives, we question how effectual our prayers are, especially for those who don't know the Lord prior to their passing. 
Directly after receiving communion, Father gave me a vision and has led me to share it. And it brings great consolation to all who may question the power of prayer, especially the prayers of the righteous. Remember that lady who was praying for her son? Julie says, The vision, quote, I was in the Father's courtroom standing in the back, watching how Father God sees an unsaved soul and determines his or her eternal destiny. I saw a man, a lost soul, standing directly in front of our Father, with his head hung very low and his eyes closed. I understood that he instinctively knew that he was guilty as charged and had no defense, as his life of sin was directly before him. Satan, the adversary, was on the left, with many demons to testify of the man's guilt, and the saints who had gone before were on the right to present the testimony of all the prayers of the saints that have ever been recorded to intercede for the lost. Although the evidence from the enemy was more than sufficient to convict the man, the prayers of the saints outweighed anything the enemy could present. Father's love for his people is beyond measure and takes precedent over anything the enemy will ever be able to offer against us. Yeshua was on the man's right side, a distance away observing. He did not speak, but waited to see if the man would invite him into his heart so that he could intercede as the man's advocate, covering the man with his robe of righteousness and his shed blood. Our Father then allowed me to uh, understand that in his infinite mercy, and because the hearts of his chosen are one with him, that he would allow this man to choose at the last instant, Jesus, although the man had not previously confessed him as Lord and Savior. Vision ends. Father speaks. Quote, I wish my people to know, daughter, tell them, there is no greater commandment than to love one another. As one heart in me, you are charged to assist me in saving souls. For I come to seek and save the lost. You are my priests, and it is in your hands to walk in the fullness of all you were purposed for. There is no greater joy for my father than to bring my lost sheep home. I have commanded you to pray for those who are hardened to me. Pray for those in deception and therefore despair. Pray for those the enemy steals, that their spiritual eyes and ears may be open to the relationship that I have for them. Come before me in holiness and purity daily, confessing your sins and asking for forgiveness. Your temples, my vessels, must be free of willful sin for me to answer your petitions. Intercede on behalf of all who walk in darkness, for I wish that no one would perish. Do not underestimate the power of your prayers when your hearts are in unity with me. I have given you all power, authority, and dominion over the enemy, and you must exercise your authority. What you lose on earth is what you loose on earth is loosed in heaven, and what you bind on a bind here is bound also in my kingdom. Boldly come before my throne of grace and expect great things. Trust in the promises I have given you in my word. Pray without ceasing, fast and travail in great love and concern for the salvation of all those who were created by me. Plead my blood constantly for this. 
The victory is already won. won. Proclaim verbally my truths, and Satan will flee. It is time for my church to walk in the fullness of the power and authority given to her by my life sacrifice. So as you are seeing the manifestation of evil on this uh, evil in the earth, allow this to be your, uh, your war cry and passionately present your petitions to me as each and every utterance with my love in your heart and my glorification being the motive has great value in my kingdom. I have spoken these words to you previously. As the dark grows darker, my bride rises higher. Believe, believe my power, uh, believe my power in and through you is a weapon of great destruction to the enemy's camp. Very soon you will see the importance of what I am speaking. Yeshua. I don't know how many confirmations are woven through the text that I just read. Confirmation, there's so many of them. You are my royal priest. She says, that which is bound on earth is bound in heaven. I mean, it's almost like it's almost like Julie listened to one of the prayer vigils and then went into her prayer closet and came out with his vision. But I know that that's not the case, which makes it even a greater confirmation, praise God, on so many levels. Praise Jesus. And that makes it ever so much more powerful. Praise God. And I wanted to also share with you a new confirmation that has come in. Another one. They keep coming and coming and coming. Let's see if I can find it. Ah, yes. Now, I read this, I think, on the last radio show, but I'm going to read it again. Just out, I mean, literally days ago, Charisma News. And this is like finding its way across the Internet. Gangbusters. The the, uh, headline is Assembly of God Missionaries. Muslims encountering Jesus in dreams at an alarming rate, it says. Two assemblies of God missionaries are sharing multiple first-hand testimonies of Muslims coming to the Christian faith after encountering Jesus in their dreams. James Bradford, the lead pastor at the Central Assembly in Springfield, Missouri, and missionary Dick Borgden told Assemblies of God News that God is answering the prayers of Christians who are praying for Muslims. Folks, let me tell you something. It's more than just Muslims. It's all the people worldwide. They admit any Islamic country is a dangerous place for a Christian. There are few opportunities for open evangelism, but they report Muslims are meeting Jesus in their dreams and converting to Christianity at an alarming rate. I would even say it's the normal experience, Borgden said. It would be accurate to say that Muslims are responding to Jesus in levels that we have never seen, not in 1,400 years. Praise God. That's some pretty powerful stuff. Thank you, Jesus. Let's enter into communion. Praise God. Disciples were seated about you 
At the eve of a ransom spread You said I'd eagerly yearn for this supper And that you'd suffer so we children could be fed I can only imagine the silence in the room As you passed on the bread to be told The lady not understand the reach of his plan In his love we were told to rejoice, not to mourn So we gather from memory The glory of the Lamb The one who was slain For the seed of Abraham As we long for your coming We imagine the feast The King and his bride When our waiting has ceased As you arose and went back up to heaven Speak to the heavenly force. You lifted the cup of forgiveness. It was paid, it was done. You had covered the cross. And I can only imagine the thunderous sound as though heaven exploded in tears. We were freed from our chains. Now all that remains is to never give in. We are destined to win, so we gather the memories of our soul, destroyer of death, the Lord of our own, the light in our arms, the edge of our sword, the King of all kings, and the Lord of all lords. For we believe in our land. All of creation Restored by his hand Eternity All is revealed By the time we remember All scars will be healed As we long for your coming, we imagine the peace, the Lord and his bride, when our waiting has ceased. Signs I gave 
chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of the darkness and into his marvelous light, who were once not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, well, so you must also do. But above all these things, put on love which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you are also called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, of a good report, any virtue, anything praiseworthy, meditate upon these things. He Jesus went a little further and he fell on his face and prayed, saying, O oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Matthew twenty six thirty nine. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by the angels, preached amongst the Gentiles, believed upon in the world, and received up into glory. 1 Timothy 3.16 We pray for purification based upon Psalm 51, 1 through 14. Father, Father, we pray that you will have mercy on us. 
According to your loving kindness and according to the multitude of your tender mercies, we pray, please, do not remember our sin. Blot out all of our transgressions. Blot out all of our iniquity. Blot out all of our sins. Cleanse us, Father, from our sins. We acknowledge our transgressions. We know our sin is always before us. Against you, Father, and you only we have sinned and done this evil in your sight. That you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, Father, we were brought forth in iniquity and in sin our mothers conceived us. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts and in the hidden parts you will make us to know your wisdom. Purge us with hyssop and we shall be clean. Wash us and we will be whiter than snow. Father, help us to hear joy and gladness in our hearts that the trials and tribulations, the fiery fire that is to try us, the difficulties, the challenges, the chastening. Father, we pray that will bring us joy to understand the glory that awaits us. Hide your face from our sins, Father, and always blot out all of our iniquity. Create in us, Lord, a clean heart. Let us not Grieve the Holy Spirit. Restore to us, Father, the joy of what awaits us in your glorious, glorious eternity. And then we will help. We will teach transgressors your ways. We will pray for people, Father, and your incredible mercy will change their eternity. And Father, one other thing, please. Deliver us from the guilt of our past sins. God of our salvation. And then our tongue shall sing aloud of your awesome righteousness. Thank you, Father. The Lord's Supper, Holy Communion. For I receive from the Lord that which I also deliver to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat of this bread 
and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Ani, Madodi, Madodi Di. I am my beloved's, and my beloved is mine.
masters of the devil, and we are the servants and foot watchers of mankind. Ezekiel 22.30, so I sought for a man amongst them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land, but I should not destroy it, but I found no one. Isaiah 6.8. Also we heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And then we said, Here am I. Send us, Father. Thank you. John fourteen twelve to 14 Most assuredly I say to you, He who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. Greater works than these will they do, because I go unto the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. And most importantly, Colossians 2.15, Having disarmed principalities and powers, Jesus made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it, the cross. Praise God. 
Intensified prevailing prayer is God's ordained law and method for implementing his redemptive plan in this age until Jesus returns. It is the highest, the holiest, the mightiest effort of which a child of God is capable. It is God's chosen way to bring heaven's power, heaven's resources, and heaven's angels into action upon the earth. Charles Spurgeon says, he who knows how to overcome with God in prayer has heaven and earth at his disposal. Intensified prayer is clothed with the might of God himself. Wesley L. Duell, Mighty Prevailing Prayer. We cast out demons. Mark 16, 17 to 18. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, and that includes to ingest, anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. 2 Corinthians 10, 4-6. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds and casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. <clears throat> The very term high thing means second order demons, principalities, power, spiritual hosts of wickedness, rulers of darkness of this age. Praise God. Mark 9.25, when Jesus saw the people come running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Matthew 12.28, but if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first finds the strong man? And then he will plunder his house. So you kick out the strong man demon first, and then the rest of them go out pretty easily at that point. Matthew twelve forty three to 45, Jesus says, When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest and finds none. And then he says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it empty, swept, and put in order. And then he goes and takes with him seven other more spirits, more wicked than himself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of the man is worse than the first. So shall it be with this wicked generation. Because they fail to go and sin no more. Very dangerous. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Dear Heavenly Father, Dear Heavenly Father, we praise your holy name and we thank you for this opportunity to pray for the lost across this world. We pray for the people in the lands of South America, for Venezuela, Colombia, Peru, Chile, Paraguay, Uruguay, Bolivia, praise you, Jesus, Argentina, Brazil, and all lands in between. Hallelujah. Father, before your incredible supreme courts of heaven, as a royal priesthood, we hold up a symbolically before you a golden bowl of forgiveness, and we pray, Father, forgive them all the hundreds of millions of people who reside there. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. Please, Father, pour out this golden bowl of forgiveness upon all of the people, every nation, tribe, and tongue, the good and the bad. Forgive them in Jesus' name, we pray. For Father, we confess of their sins before you, 
as Nehemiah did in chapter 1, verse 6, on behalf of all of Israel. We confess the sins of their first fathers and their fathers' fathers until before there was time. We break all yokes of bondage. We renounce all things spoken of in the darkness. We break all generational and bloodline curses throughout every branch of their family trees until before there was time. In Jesus' name. The spiritual realm above the lands of South America like the Red Sea. And we declare the holy fire of God to hold back all demons of darkness that the angels shall not be hindered. In the name of Jesus, we call down heaven's power, heaven's resources, and heaven's angels into action upon South America. In Jesus' name. Principalities, powers, and strongholds, spiritual host of wickedness and rulers of darkness in high places above the lands of South America, we come against you. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus, by the blood of the Lamb of God, we declare fire swords of cherubim to be shot down from the heavens and to cut you into pieces. We declare fire of God to launch down from the glory pillar and to burn you in a screaming and horrific agony in Jesus' name. And we plead with the courts of heaven and declare in Jesus' name for the dispatch of hundreds of trillions of legions of warrior angels and archangels to descend upon you and to wage war against you such as never been seen since before there was time. Unclean spirits, deaf and dumb spirits, anything that cannot call Jesus Christ its Lord and Savior, strong men, come forth. We have loosed your legal rights to the peoples of the lands of South America and we command you out now. Subordinate spirits, we command you to come forth. In the name of Jesus, we declare hundreds of trillions of legions of warrior angels to descend upon you, to strike you deaf, blind, and dumb, place you under arrest, and cast you into the pit. We decree the holy fire of God to weld the pit shut. We plead the fire of God to permeate the pit and to burn them in the screaming agony in Jesus' name. And we plead the blood of Jesus to seal the pit, for only the Lamb of God can break the seals. In the name of Jesus, we decree a holy fire a thorny hedge of protection, a mighty hedge of protection, and a whirlwind of the Holy Spirit to blow it white hot, to surround them on all sides, even if but for a time, Father, in Jesus' name. Let nothing unclean re-enter the clean-swept house. And we decree in Jesus' name, the crystal river, the living water, your abundant grace, Father, to flow deep into their heart, into their spirit, to fertilize, to soil therein, that they shall receive the seeds of these prayers. These prayers will bear fruit, and the fruit will remain. John 15:16. in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And Father, we plead with the courts of heaven for an innumerable company of angels of light and love to descend upon the peoples of the lands of South America, to come upon them in dreams, in visions of the night when deep sleep falls upon men, to save their souls from the pit, and to seal their instruction, Job 33, 14, and 15, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Holy Lord Jesus, we pray that you will come upon them with the angels of light and touch them, call them by, your, by their name, allow them to feel the presence of your love and to know who you are. We pray for all of their salvation. We pray in Jesus' name for the mercy, the mercy of our Father to save souls by the thousands upon thousands. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. 
Alleluia. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, we hold up this golden ball of forgiveness before you. We pray, Father, for the peoples of the lands of Central America and the Caribbean. Please, Father, pour out a golden bowl of forgiveness upon all of the peoples of those lands, every nation, tribe, and tongue, every man, woman, and child, the good and the bad. Father, forgive them, please, for they know not what they do. For we confess of their sins before you, Father. We confess of the sins of their first fathers and their fathers' fathers until before there was time. We break all yokes of bondage. We renounce all things spoken of in the darkness against them. We break all generational and bloodline curses throughout every branch of their family trees until before there was time. We part the spiritual realm as the Red Sea above the lands of the Caribbean and Central America for safe passage for heaven's angels, heaven's resources, and heaven's power to move freely, unhindered, into those lands in Jesus' name. Principalities, powers, and strongholds, spiritual host of wickedness and rulers of darkness in high places, we come against you in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we declare fire swords of cherubim to be shot down from the heavens and to cut you into pieces. We declare fire of God to launch down from the glory pillar and to burn you into horrific agony in Jesus' name. And we decree and plead with the courts of heaven for the dispatch of hundreds of trillions of legions of warrior angels and archangels to follow to wage war against these entities from the bowels of Sheol. Such has never been seen in all of eternity. Unclean spirits, deaf and dumb spirits, anything that cannot call Jesus its Lord and Savior, we command you to come forth. Strong men, come out now. Subordinate spirits, leave. We declare and plead for an innumerable company of angels of war to descend upon you, to strike you deaf, blind, and dumb, place you under arrest, and cast you into the pit. We declare the fire of God to weld the pit shut. We decree the fire of God to permeate the pit and to burn you into screaming agony, making a public spectacle of you thereof. In accordance with Colossians 2.15, let it be a warning. We plead the blood of Jesus to seal the pit, for only the Lamb of God can break the seals. Even if but for a time, Father, we praise you. We declare in Jesus' name the holy fire of God, a thorny hedge of protection, and a whirlwind of the Holy Spirit to blow it white hot and to surround them on all sides. Let nothing unclean reenter the clean-swept house in Jesus' name. And we declare the abundant grace of God, the living water, the crystal river, to flow deep into their heart, to fertilize the soil therein, that they shall receive the seeds of these prayers. These prayers will bear fruit, and the fruit will remain. John 15, 16, hallelujah. And Father, we pray in Jesus' name, please, for an innumerable company of angels of light and love that descend upon the lands of Central America, upon all of the nations there, and upon all of the island nations of the Caribbean in the name of Jesus, to touch them in dreams and visions of the night when deep sleep falls upon men, to save their souls from the pit, and to save them for all of eternity. Holy Lord Jesus, we pray that you will come upon them, touch them. Reach out your hand and call them by name, please. In Jesus' name, that the Father may be glorified in the Son, and that the will of the Father shall become an eternal reality. In the mighty name of our Lord Jesus, we pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for everything that you have done for us. Thank you for bringing us through every challenge. Thank you for instilling upon us faith, gratitude, Continuous praise, knowing that just like with Abraham, we might have to wait to the last split second for the answer. 
Let us never, ever stop praying. Let us never, ever lose faith. Oh, how many, how many, Father, have missed out on the blessing because they stopped right before it was to come. To you be the glory, our Lord Jesus, forever and ever. Amen. We'll see you next Friday, Lord willing. Lord, we come to you with repentant hearts. We seek you with all our might. Sinners set the mercy of grace. Redeemed we are by your embrace. Praise his holy name. Praise the King of Kings. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? For you we will endure Until you come back for your bride To set her free Write our names in your book of life We are cleansed through your holy sacrifice As we lift your name on high Renew our mind, renew our soul Remove the scars from our past And deem us righteous We rebuke all deceptive lies When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? Till then we will endure. We are the branches on a living tree. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? Till then we will endure. Until you come back for your bride. Set her free Watch us as we trim our wicks Our lamps are full Our hearts are right Like those five wise virgins We will be Your bride awaits Sleep patiently
the fruit of the light of Christ. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? Till then, we will endure until you come back for your bride to set us free.